0: Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so welcome to another episode of On the Spectrum Podcast. I am Nick. And I'm Steve. And as always, we do not presume to be experts in anything whatsoever. We are just two human beings who happen to be on the autism spectrum, and we're going to talk about stuff that not only affects the uh, autistic community, but things we like.
1: Well, I'm on the autistic spectrum. Nick is kind of questionable now after my, my tincture has been doing its work. But so. You're
0: going to start the episode talking about your quote-unquote autism cure? Yeah. Jesus.
1: This episode is brought to you by Autism Speaks.
0: Oh God, he's gonna do it. This episode is not actually brought to you by Autism Speaks. Steve <laughs> has one heck of a smile on his face. Um, that's oh. why I'm working on the cure,
1: man. Yeah, that's it. The anti-MMR.
0: <laughs> the anti-MMR. It's not
1: brought to you by Autism Speaks. It's brought to you by Jen- Jenny McCarthy.
0: Oh. To you by,
1: so. <laughs> Didn't she not believe that any- anymore? I don't know. I thought she I like know. stopped with the whole autism and, vaccine thing.
0: I mean, she was pretty vocal about it for a while.
1: Yeah. And she was, is she still with uh, Jim Carrey? What? Wasn't she with, she was with Jim Carrey before right? J- Jenny
0: McCarthy? Yeah. No. Who was she married to? She she was married to Donnie Wahlberg, I thought. Are you sure? She's on The, uh, the Mass Singer.
1: Jim Carrey. Who is who's who's Jim Carrey with? I don't know.
0: I don't keep track of who Jim Carrey has Uh
1: actually. Neither do I. I don't know what I'm talking about. Apparently, so he's with Lauren Holly. Oh, no, he's not with anybody. Okay, well, bravo. He was married to Melissa Warner and Lauren Holly. Okay,
0: yeah, I, I thought he Lauren was Holly. dating.
1: Um, oh, so- yeah, they were together. The two two never actually got married, apparently, but they uh, were
0: together. Okay. Well, I'm glad we figured out that mystery. So today we're talking about um, power, Uh hierarchy,
1: and authority. And the reason- Power,
0: hierarchy, and authority.
1: And some people might be confused by that. How does that relate to autism? I would like to know. I'm going to tell (gasps) you. Please do. Uh, So I think that this is a common struggle. We've touched on some of this before in previous episodes, um, especially when we're talking about when we brought up working in the past, like, uh, being employed, how unemployment's a big problem yeah. for people on the spectrum. And maybe another episode we'll delve into like, um, support, like, uh, unemployment and some of the other like issues that disproportionately affect people who are on the spectrum. But right, we're Compared not necessarily going to gonna talk about that today, but, um, I, w- I think some of the reasons why people get into trouble with besides the obvious social issues, mm-hmm. um, A lot of people who are in positions of power or authority uh, think that people who are on the spectrum don't respect hierarchy. And I think some of that could be true because I think that people who are on the spectrum sometimes have a hard time navigating or understanding hierarchy, understanding why certain power structures exist, or maybe just ignoring them. So for instance, and I've done this myself, a lot of times if you are trying to get something done that's related to work, And whoever it is that's supposed to do that particular thing, if for some reason they're not getting back to you or they're not responding or you can't get it done with them, you'll go to the next person. And a lot of times that will upset people if they think you're jumping uh, hierarchy, if you're skipping over the chain of command. Yeah. Um, So that's one thing that gets people into trouble. Um, Another thing would be uh, asking a lot of questions. So I know like I've been accused in the past of not respecting either being incompetent, that I didn't know what I was doing or that I was stupid or that I was questioning authority just because I was asking a lot of questions. So right. I like to clarify and I like specifics and I like details. And if somebody um, asks me to do something or they give me a project to work on, I like to ask a lot of questions so I understand what their expectations are. Right. But a lot of times people would interpret that as um, me either being stupid or incompetent because they expect me to make assumptions about those things mm-hmm. or that I'm questioning them or their authority just in general, because right. I'm asking too many questions. So I think I'm questioning them. Right. And I think that's something that happens to a lot of other people that are autistic. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's just a me thing.
0: No, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think you touched on kind of one of the main uh, reasons for that is because we're looking for clarity. We're looking for an understanding of expectation and boundaries, if you will, uh, in some degree. And then that other person is like, well, how come you just don't know? Well, cause we're not you people or we don't want
1: to just assume, right? We don't want to assume a lot of people expect you to make assumptions mm-hmm. about things or they want you to just, so a lot, I've had to actually train myself to to just say, fuck it and just do things. Right. So a right. lot of yeah, times in jobs now, especially when I work in positions of power myself, when I'm part of the, the mm-hmm. structure of power um, right now, I work directly under the owner of a company. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of his second in commands basically. And I have a bunch of people who work under me Mm -hmm. and the owner of a company is going to expect you in that position to just make um, decisions. Right. And I can't ask him about every single thing. I sometimes will ask a couple of questions just to understand the basics Mm -hmm. and anything else. I'll just do with whatever. I'll use my judgment. And I think that making judgment calls is something that doesn't come easy to people on the spectrum when it relates to other people, it's just going with our instinct and trusting our thoughts on it and just going with it. Right. Because we feel like we don't understand what the other people, what other people's expectations are, but it's something I personally have had to work on quite a bit because it got me in trouble. Um, most usually in most, it comes, it comes into conflict usually when it's in a work environment.
0: Right. And, and I, I'm completely with you on it. Uh, I, I, When it comes to like having to make those decisions and things, like for most of our lives, whether we knew we were on the spectrum or not, for most of our lives, people were second guessing what our choices were anyway because they wanted us to choose one thing. We choose another thing based on us and the way we think about things, but they expected a totally different direction. So we, Almost always or often enough, we've been questioned on our choices so often that it becomes almost a paralysis of making a decision in that way.
1: Well, I think uh, that's something that a lot of normies also deal with too is um, lack of confidence in your own decisions or questioning yourself. So Mm. people who are Mm -hmm. less assertive, um, if you're somebody who hasn't worked in management before and then you get promoted to management, that's something that a lot of people struggle with is the, so not just people on the spectrum, but. People in general right. deal with um, questioning their decision making mm-hmm. um, and, and not having some of that confidence. So, that's something that's kind of universal. But I think uh, the parts that might be more specific to autistic people is like they asking so many questions to the point right. where people think you're stupid or incompetent. Right. Or
0: they can't just figure it out. Yeah, because you didn't tell me how to figure it out. So that's one of those areas where but you didn't tell me how long the ditch you didn't tell me how deep the ditch didn't tell me how wide the ditch needs to be. You didn't tell me what purpose the ditch has.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And that's another thing is um, I'm lucky enough that a lot of the companies I worked for recently haven't been this way. I've had bosses Mm -hmm. who are more understanding. But in the past, I've worked for people who uh, if you want to understand the reason why for something that would get they would irritate them. They they just want you to just do it. Right. But I feel like a lot of people, I don't think this is just a me thing either, but I think a lot of people who are on the spectrum also feel a need to understand the reason behind things. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have a reason why we don't know the reason behind something, it's hard for us to justify doing the thing. Yes. Um, and that's why we get in trouble with authority quite a bit. I,
0: you know, uh, um, I agree with you. We shouldn't necessarily speak for everybody mm-hmm. on the spectrum, but I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm the same way. Like if I don't, if you don't give me a purpose, and I used to have a problem with I need to be able to agree with the purpose or the reason why. Nowadays, just give me a reason why. Like, give me something to hold on to so I can say to myself, this is why I'm doing this, this way. This, for me, it's also a practical thing. Because right.
1: if you're entrusting me, you're giving me a certain level of responsibility, you're trusting mm-hmm. me to do something. Um, even if not, but whatever. Maybe you're not trusting me to do something. But if I'm doing something, mm-hmm. you want me to do something, regardless of the reason, it could be a spouse, could be a friend, could be a boss, but I don't understand the reason behind why you want it it or why you want it done a certain way. If something arises or if there's a problem and I don't understand the reason behind it, it's going to be possibly potentially more difficult for me to come up with a solution to fix the problem if I don't understand the reason why you made the decisions you made in the first place. Because then I might make a decision to fix it a certain way that actually impacts... The reason why you, or that affects the reason why you chose it to do a certain way to begin with. Right. But I don't have that information. So for me, it's kind of a practical thing. If I understand the reason why for something, then mm-hmm. I can help prevent mistakes. Or I can also prevent future mistakes. Like if it's um, a policy thing. right? You put a certain policy in a place. I understand the reason behind the policy. Mm-hmm. I can, uh, or the reason why, even, even like when mistakes happen, right? right? If you make a mistake, it's not just important to say, That you made a mistake at a job or anything. Mm -hmm. It's also important for the person who made the mistake to understand. And the person who's in charge of them to understand why. Right. Does the person who made the mistake understand why they made that mistake? Mm -hmm. And does the person in charge of them understand why? And I've never been a fan of, um, and I've explained this to people I've worked for before. Hey man, it's not enough to just understand that somebody made a mistake. You also need to understand why they made that mistake. To prevent them from
0: doing it again in the future. And also identifying the difference between somebody making just a human error or if it's actually a mistake that needs to be corrected. But a lot of people don't, don't
1: care about the why. No, and I don't understand. I don't understand why they don't care about the why. I worked for bosses who were fucking shitheads <laughs> and brain dead. And I'm like, yes, someone did made a mistake. Good. But do you understand why they made the mistake? And they said they don't care.
0: Well, and I'm like, but if you don't care and you don't know the reason why, then how can you prevent them from doing it again in the future? So hold on. So I will say on that, though, sometimes it's not even important why it happened or that we know who did it, but that we put something in place to correct it or to make. Well, sure it so you could
1: say, again. well, anytime someone makes that same mistake, I'll just bitch, at, bitch at them again. But that's not always that going to work. And that yeah. doesn't always solve the problem. So you can just say, well, if somebody makes a mistake, we're going to write them up or we're going to. Mm-hmm. Um, do some sort of disciplinary action, or if you're a parent and your kid does something wrong, right. you can just tell them they did something wrong, but if the kid doesn't understand why, if you don't understand why the kid's doing it, so there could be things that are contributing to that that thing happening right. that you're not taking into consideration
0: because mm-hmm. you don't care about the why. So, but that's why I brought up that sometimes it's just a matter of human error and not about somebody not knowing something or, right. or a lack of training or something. It's just a human error. But that
1: would still be part of the why. Yeah, you're the right. why it is, be- is it just a mistake or is there something that's contributing to this mistake right. that could happen again? Or is it yeah. a pattern already where this keeps happening? Right. Why does this keep happening? Instead of just saying, well, you're a shithead. Stop doing that.
0: Well, like in my line of work, um, there's uh, there's often times where it doesn't actually matter why. That like the reasoning that somebody had, the the series of events that led up to the mistake happening, none of that is important. Everybody just now needs to be on the same page that we will not do that again, under any circumstance. This is, we're just not going to do it. And so, like, even when I think I'm looking at it
1: from more of like a, from usually we're in positions that I mm -hmm. work in. It's more of a behavioral thing where I'm dealing with a person individually, right and. If I'm coaching somebody or trying to help somebody grow mm-hmm. and get better, yeah. I can't just – most of the time, it's not effective to just say don't do that again. You can, but yeah. I think in tandem with that, you also need to try to understand
0: why. And, and, and That's my opinion. You, I agree with you. Like 90% of mistakes that people make and and especially when on the job, a lot of that, absolutely, we figure out why we retrain necessarily or we have a conversation about what led up to it and we kind of pick it apart a little bit. And I agree with that for the most part, you know, like 90% of the time, that's, that's the action you take, right? That's what's needed in it. But I think there are times too that like knowing the why and then spending the extra time to train somebody or retrain somebody in something isn't necessarily needed either. It depends on what it is. Yes. I'm just speaking in general. Right. And I'm I'm saying give a little bit more because
1: there could be a lot of times there are things that, um, you may know, or you may not know. But if you do a, even the the smallest amount of investigation, yeah. just asking some questions to try to figure out why, you can prevent a lot of those problems from happening in the future yes. Very just true. by spending Very true. a couple minutes just looking into it. Right. Um, that's all I'm saying. But a lot of people I've worked for mm-hmm. and they were not, you know, neurotypical folk. Yeah. just didn't give a shit or didn't understand. Or at least we assume that they're neurotypical people. Didn't seem to see any value in trying to understand why people are doing certain things. It's true. They just Cared about whether they did it or not.
0: Well, I mean, I will say this. When I was a retail manager, I didn't give a shit why. I didn't give a shit why somebody didn't fucking do something in their job correctly. Because it's retail. Like, for one, there's a thousand other people right behind them who want a fucking job. Uh, There's tons of applications all the time. So I didn't actually give a shit in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm much more of a dick of a boss than you are. Or at least I used to be much more of a dick of a boss than you are currently. And, and so I didn't really care a lot of the times. No, you know what you need to do. You need to do it this way. Go get it done.
1: I think it, it, it fosters a better work environment. Sure. In my opinion.
0: And in certain when you work have, environments, when you have that's good.
1: A boss who tries to work with you and tries to be understanding and taking right. into consideration. And yes, things have to be done a certain way. And yes, you will receive some type of disciplinary action, possibly, possibly. if you don't do things the way they're supposed to be done. But you also need to, like especially if multiple people are having the same problem all the time well, well there might be something here that's causing this to happen so
0: that right there though if multiple people are having <clears throat> are are doing things you know incorrectly the same way to me that's automatically a management training issue like automatically if you have multiple people that are making the same mistake or at least you know multiple people doing things you know not the way in which you'd want them to do them I think that right there well, so is a leadership training issue. I've had issues with that issue.
1: recently. And yeah. so my approach to that is like, well, if all the people that are working with me are not doing what the company wants them to do. Right. Um, I look at it as, well, we need to find some way to motivate them to do it. If I, if I, if I the same. Let's try to make it easier for them because of looking at it <clears throat> and like, well, why are they not doing it? Yeah. Well, it's, it's tedious or there's different things that are making it difficult for them to do. So rather than do it, they try to avoid it because it's a pain in the ass. Right. So my way of dealing with it and that approach is, okay, well, I'm gonna try to make it easier for them to actually do the task we want them to mm-hmm. do. So they have less reason to say, less ex- less reasons to give for excuses. I'm making right. it easier for you and I can make it fun even. So By <laughs> making it easier, I'm making it fun, I'm making it more engaging, then they're more likely to do
0: it. I've I've never understood People's obsession with wanting their job to be fun. It's your job, just go do it. Yeah, but you know, it's that's how people are. Like if you want something fun, go get a hobby. Um put your passion, your energy into something you care about that. If
1: people can't like, understand can why try? understanding the why is important, look yeah. at all the uh mass shootings.
0: Oh, come on, you're gonna to go to that. We're talking about employment and and right, but I'm saying leadership, in to, and then you're gonna to go to mass shooting. I'm saying on an extreme level. Yes. Like it's not just
1: enough to say mass shooting bad. Person shot people bad. No,
0: absolutely I agree. We need to know more of why. And and I think the simplistic way that we're looking at it currently in our society about mass shootings, I think is really cutting ourselves Guns short. Guns don't kill people. People
1: out. kill people.
0: That that's a true statement too. Or
1: the Whatever it is. Some people want to either blame guns or they want to
0: blame. Or just mental health. Mental health. Or, yeah. No, it's a combination of a bunch of stuff, I think. And I think some of it is actually part of our American culture. I think culture a lot of it That is, leads to it. Yeah, cultural. I, and, I think there's a lot of things that reinforce the idea of actually doing that stuff in our culture. And I know somebody's probably going to be like, what? No, everybody's against uh, mass shooting. You're right. Everybody is against it but there are things in which are in our society that Yeah, but your your
1: fucking five-year-old simplistic analysis isn't isn't helping. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I fucking hate the simplisticness of it. Well, it's mental health. Well, okay, so what are we going to do about it? And We're how doing, are going in, gonna in the same it?
1: token just saying, "Well, it's guns." Yeah. Because there's plenty of people who have guns that this doesn't happen to. Right. And usually people who are doing these things aren't even using their own guns. They're stealing other people's right. guns.
0: And they're getting them illegally. Yeah. And then people say, well, you know, we need to have tighter gun controls on it. They didn't care about what gun control laws we have now, let alone what ones you will create. Cause they're stealing the weapons from somebody, sorry, right. guns from somebody else. My brother hates it when I call them weapons, but guns from somebody else. Well,
1: if you, the only way to really solve that problem entirely would be to just take away everybody's guns. And then we
0: I'm not saying that I mean, that that was kind of effective in Australia.
1: Yeah, um, they would. It would. It would work. I mean, people would still commit violent acts. They would just mm. do it other ways. They it's would. just obviously they having like, a, a gun or a, a semi-automatic rifle right. is a more effective means of killing people. It's more efficient. It's more, it's more public,
0: too. I yeah. got to point this out. It's more public, too. We because, could always go the uh, mm. Timothy McVeigh way. Oh, and just blow stuff up. Yeah. Uh, Which is
1: what people do if they don't have guns, they'll just blow shit up. Right. Because you can make a bomb easily. Um, yeah. Hope the FBI is not listening to this. Bomb. Or poison people or whatever. <laughs> it's pretty easy to, I, but but yeah, a gun is easier. You just pick right. up a gun and just start firing. To be
0: well, honest. plus it's, it's, you get more attention out of it. And I think there is a level of trying to get attention. I think the attention isn't necessarily, oh, look at me, I'm doing this violent thing. But I think the person is, you know, for the most part, I'm not talking about every single mass shooter, but. When it comes to some of them, I think it literally is. Nobody paid attention to me. Nobody, everybody acted as if I was, uh, uh, I didn't exist. I'm invisible. And so it is an act of somebody pay attention to me. Yeah. I don't mean that in like a whiny, like pity kind of way. So I
1: guess my point was, is that if you go to the extreme, you can see why understanding the why is important. But I think on a smaller level, it's also important when you're dealing with people day to day. But a lot of neurotypical people that I've dealt with over the years. Have found my need to understand why to uh-huh. be irritating, annoying, weird, or they think that I'm MR. They think they call me all these different things. Yeah. You know, part of it yeah, is because much. why are you asking so many questions and why do you need to understand everything? Right, because I, I don't know, I just fucking do. Yeah, it's like and it's like if I get into those situations where yeah. I'm working, even if I'm not a, a manager or a boss, mm-hmm. if I'm just an underling and you give me a task to do, shit doesn't always go according to plan. But if yeah. I understand your reasoning and why we're doing something a certain way that better informs me to make a decision when something doesn't go the right way. Cause now I understand the purpose behind what you wanted to do.
0: Speaking all of this and it just came to mind. I just recently had to do a diversity training, uh, at my job. Jesus. And, and one of the things, Wait, what is it, what
1: is a diversity training?
0: Well, so they're talking about how people have different cultures and different. Backgrounds oh, they're teaching and, you about
1: the people uh, are different. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that.
0: But in that of uh, talking about diversity training, is it like diversity
1: sensitivity?
0: Uh, not quite that far, but it's more of just be aware of. So anyway, it's a fucking, it's a fucking training from a corporation. dude. I just don't don't
1: understand the purpose of that. Anyway. Uh, So
0: what I'm getting at with it though, is when I see those trainings, they're almost always talking about other types of diversity in the workplace. I've never once seen, and because our podcast is focused on autism, I've never once heard them talk about that difference. Accepting other people's different way of learning, other people's different way of so you think at that things. people who are
1: in positions of authority at companies, if you're higher up, if you're a CEO, if you're a boss, if you're an owner, mm-hmm. you should be aware of neurodiversity. And take those things into account
0: a little bit. Yes, absolutely take it into account because quite honestly, you don't know what that person is. And and generally when people are talking about like diversity training at a corporation, at a job, like they're talking about the visible. They're
1: ones. talking about not getting sued for discrimination. Yes, exactly.
0: But like even with people with mental health issues. Although there right? was
1: a woman who was um, recently sued a company for a lot of money mm-hmm. uh, who was autistic. Uh-huh. And she t- disclosed to them she was autistic. Yep. They complained about the way she was writing emails. Uh huh. She asked them how she would like them to write the emails. Right. They didn't give her any sort of direction on it. They, She told them that she was autistic. Yeah. She continued to do the job. Mm-hmm. And, and they were, kept writing her up. They fired her. And she kept asking for help and guidance on it. They didn't give it to her. And then she sued them and yeah. won. Because... Good. They were discriminating against her for being autistic, but right. she asked several times, like, okay, well, how do you want me to format these emails? How do you want me? Right. But they didn't like the way she was communicating with people. <laughs> but the way that she was talking to people in emails was probably a result of her being autistic. Right. But she asked for help, like, tell me how you want me to do it. And right. they didn't give her any guidance. They just, well, you should know.
0: Yeah. I, I, I once heard from a boss, and this was after I got my bachelor's degree. I once heard from a boss, you should know how to write you went to college. Okay, I do know how to structure a sentence, and I did go to college, and I did submit papers, but that doesn't mean I write the way you want me to write. And so, I've actually been in that situation. Uh, now, I have to do a lot of clinical language because of what I do.
1: I actually I was, communicate I was, better
0: writing than I do verbally. Yeah, you usually. really, you really do. The fact that when we ever have little tips with one another, you—it's easier text for me, me to faster.
1: organize my thoughts. Yeah, when I speak, I tend to stutter or stumble over my words a lot more. Yeah. Versus when I write things down, I write very quickly, like I'll write you stuff do. very fast, but I'm able to structure my words in a way that makes more sense, especially to other people who who don't like, like if I, if I'm trying to express myself, if yeah. I was going to write a love letter to somebody, right. it'd be much easier for me to tell somebody how much I love and appreciate them if mm-hmm. I was writing it versus just saying
0: it. See, and, and I'm... Kind of opposite of that, I'm much better when I talk. Like to me, typing and and sitting down to to work out something on paper, if you will, um, it's a lot longer of a process for me. And it's a lot harder for me to get so I everything guess I want to get out.
1: What I'm saying is I mask better when I write because it was much more mm-hmm. obvious to people that I was different when I spoke to them or dealt with them in person versus when they dealt with me via like email or text messaging. Mm-hmm. People had a different impression of me. When they, read, when they read what I wrote to them via email and text messages or through things that I wrote, poetry, whatever, versus when they spoke to me in person, the two people seemed different to them. So it was much more obvious that I was, quote unquote, weird, mm-hmm. or they would call me weird, eccentric, uh, you whatever.
0: You just kind of proposed something interesting there. Um, I just had to think about that because you said you, you mask better when you write. And I had to think about that. Do I mask better when I talk? And that's why I'm more comfortable with it because I feel like people understand me better verbally. And I think there's a level to that. I think there is a piece to that, that I mask better when I talk. I mean, granted I've never once heard somebody well, I also don't have to know, worry identify about, my autistic moments.
1: I don't have to worry about eye contact. I don't have to worry about certain things when I'm writing. Yeah. So if I'm writing an email to my employees, for instance, yeah, it's much easier for me to, um, If I'm asking them to do something and I have to communicate with them all at once, it's much easier for me to just send them an email and then follow up with them later with a phone call versus me trying to talk to them all in person at once. Because I feel that sometimes I don't communicate myself as clearly when I'm communicating. But if I can send out the email first, it lays out everything clearly and then I can just reference and ask questions if they need clarification
0: after that. I have a much harder time when I'm writing, uh, when I'm typing. I have a much harder time getting all of it out. Because I'm so succinct when I write. Like, I've always been told that I'm so minimalistic when I write. Because I'm just so minimal. Uh, like, I'm so succinct. I'm so short when I write. I always feel like I'm never giving enough. But when I write it, I feel like I correct myself completely. And then somebody reads it and they're like, well, what about this? What about that? Well, no, I meant all this much more to it. And so when I talk, I feel like I can completely get more of it out. Granted, I've also been accused of lecturing people all the time when I talk. So there's that too.
1: So do you have... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming you've had some of the same problems with authority or power figures that I have. Yeah. Did you
0: have the same issues in university or the military? Um. So not in the military per se. And that, that was a weird situation. I mean, for one at the time I didn't know I was autistic. So a lot of the sensory stuff that I was dealing with, a lot of the proximity to people physically and a lot of the touch stuff. Like I didn't know that that was necessarily, you know, sensory issues with me. I just, you just I thought you had a thing. you just like, I yeah. just have a thing. I don't like and, that. And so I didn't necessarily have issues with authority in the sense of like, they accused me of, of, you know, uh, being, uh, being obstinate or something like that. Or, or,
1: but I had, I, I didn't was getting, call you, uh, a homo habilis or call you. No, retarded no, or, well
0: not in the military. Um, but I, I, I just ended up at some point starting to get panic attacks. Anytime I saw, uh, like officer ranks on somebody's chest where the rank would be in the middle of the chest i I started to get panic attacks when I'd get near him because I didn't know what to do and I didn't want to say the wrong thing and I wasn't sure what to say and I wasn't sure how to behave and so I was really pent up and I'd get a panic attacks from it um and it i it didn't really get better before I left the military um. But I will say that because I had the experience of being in the military and kind of having to pack away a lot of those feelings and thoughts and anxiety and all that and just kind of had to manage it in the moment, I I have come out of that being able to manage a lot better when it comes to dealing with things. Um, I mean, I've always had issues with authority, if you will, or at least always accused of having issues with authority because I always question things Like, like you were saying, asking questions about a lot of stuff. But also because I have a tendency and you know, people, this too. Don't, people
1: don't like to be questioned. Right. A lot of times they want you to just do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, like like you've probably noticed this in me too. I have a tendency of saying things matter of factly, like very matter of factly as if I'm right and nobody else is right. And I don't believe I'm always right. I've never believed I was always right. I don't believe I'm the smartest person in the room ever. But people have accused me of, well, you sounded as if you you just knew. You, you were just so confident when you said it. No, it's because of the way I word it. I sound very matter-of-factly. Um, in in fact, like, there are times where I word things and I'm asking a question, but people don't know I'm asking a question because of the way I worded it and because of my inflection. It doesn't sound like I asked a question. It sounded like I told somebody. Yeah. Um, I, well, I think I get accused of that <laughs> a lot by partners.
1: I think it's, it's – I mean, I was talking a lot about work. Yeah. And about university. I asked you about university yeah. and military. But it's also – family too. Like I know growing up, I used to annoy the shit out of my parents all the time because they would ask me to do things or they would give me answers for things that didn't make any sense to me. And I kept asking them, I kept asking them questions about it until I drove them nuts and they wanted to fucking lock me in my Uh room because, uh, you know, oh, well, you know, I want to do a certain thing or I want to do this. And then they gave me some bullshit reason. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I explain all the reasons why that doesn't make sense. I'm like, So you told me this, you told me no for these reasons, but these reasons obviously aren't, don't make any sense. They're not valid. And they're just like, shut the fuck up, kid, (laughs) you know,
0: because they just want you to just accept it and go away. So I will say that is kind of a normal kid thing to do. But the difference is, you know, being autistic, that doesn't go away for us. Yeah, but I also used
1: to, I think I was a little extreme because I would sit there and bug my mom for like literally, I'm not exaggerating Mm -hmm. like sometimes for an hour
0: or multiple hours about something. I, I may have, I don't, I don't know actually if I did that or not when I was younger, I may have, I probably did. What's up. All right. Every time your attention gets pulled out the It was of uh, of the Tony. Windows, Tony was walking through the air. Oh, okay. Anytime I see your attention go pulled in another direction, I'm like, Oh, is this something was, I got to be concerned with?
1: My autism is tingling. I uh, saw something in my periphery vision and it made me turn
0: my head. Yeah. Um, so yes. Uh, Oh, so when it comes to hierarchy, that help explain that part, too, because this is kind of your topic this week. So,
1: <clears throat> so um, I thought it ties into power and authority. Obviously, hierarchy is structure. Right. And I think a lot of times, speaking from my own experience and the autistic people that I do know, it seems to other people yeah. that autistic people have no respect for structure of authority um, the hierarchy that exists there, the hierarchy of power, the hierarchy, right. hierarchy of authority. yeah, um, which I mentioned at the beginning about um, you know, jumping over the chain of command, right or things like that. We also tend to be kind of when it comes to uh, um, political um, beliefs, we tend to right. I think a lot of us tend to have issues with political uh, hierarchy, political authority, yep. um, political
0: power. What- it seems like it, and I think it, uh, it seems like it ties into what you were talking about before of like needing to know why, because if you think about it, uh, a lot of people on the spectrum are very task focused, right? And we do and like, we getting do, it
1: done. a lot of us do like structure and yeah. it's kind of a stereotype that people who are autistic, like uh-huh.
0: routine and they like structure, right? Right. You don't like a lot of chaos, but that's but not always true. We do like that stuff. Yeah. In fact, we thrive best on it. In fact, all humans thrive best under structure. Right. Under routine. There is such a thing as having too much structure. There is. To a absolutely. point where it
1: gets oppressive or holds you back you know? um, or restricts you too much. Right.
0: Um, and I, and so I there's agree. There's there a balance
1: like, between it's the old yeah. yin and yang, the exactly. old idea of chaos and order. Right. The balance of having both.
0: So I actually, um, when it comes to this topic of power and hierarchy and, and like jumping chain of command and stuff, I actually have, and this is a personal thing for me. I don't know if anybody else is like that. If you do agree with what I'm about to say, give me a comment. Let me know I'm not alone. Um, but I kind of have this thing where no matter who, no matter what authority they think they have, no matter what position they have, no matter what you know title they have, it, I don't necessarily give a shit about any of that the authority that they perceive or, or what their job title allows them or whatnot. I only really do what they're asking me to do. If I agree with it, if I'm willing to do it. Right. And, and like some people will do it because they're worried that they're going to get written up by their boss or whatever. But I, I kind of have this thing about it. Like we all have choices to make in life and everything is a choice we make. And so we've got to own the choices and the decisions that we make. And so when have a hard time else, doing things for, just for the sake of doing them. Yes. So I have to agree like and, well if you're in the
1: military you know if they tell you to dig a hole it doesn't fucking matter why they ask you to dig the hole you gotta dig the hole
0: right but that was part of the, the issue that i had in the military too was because now it's a period of time in my life a uh, uh, couple years there where i i Well make you do shit that doesn't to, really have a reason right? I, for it i had to do things but at the same time though i chose to go into the military And so in that choice, I, there were times where I was asked to do things and instead of arguing and instead of asking why, instead of, you know, uh, uh, talking about it, I just had to remind myself, you chose to be here, Nick, you chose to be here. And so own that this is part of the job. This is what you volunteered to do. This is what you chose to do. I think
1: it it extends even further than it's basically everything because I talked about parents, talked about work, talked about. And it it extends even to me for like when I was in grade school, Mm -hmm. just me always questioning my teachers. And I was probably probably annoying as fuck. But I asked a lot of questions because I wanted to understand things better. But I Mm -hmm. also asked a lot of questions because certain things didn't make sense to me. Right. Or if um, if I thought the teacher was wrong about something, Mm -hmm. I'd ask questions. But um, which occasionally they are, but everybody's occasionally wrong. Mm -hmm. But it's just one of those things where I I have a, a need to understand why I have a need to understand reality and the truth behind things. And if I, I don't like not understanding something or why something
0: does not understanding why, how something works, why something works. Um, I'm actually really bad at, and it might not ever seem like it to you, or maybe it does, but I'm actually really bad at just going with the flow, just going with it. I'm actually really bad with that. Um, Like I've got to figure out how to justify going with the flow. In some way. Well, you should ask your, 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 your wife. If I'm good at just going with things. No, how to go with the flow. Oh, well I do. There are times where I actually like completely defer to her about how to behave and and what we should do about something. Whether I agree with her or not, I just kind of defer to her because she might know better in that way. Like the, the phrase, uh, pick your battles has always been super hard for me. Very, very hard for me to understand that very hard for me to kind of go with that, pick your battles. But there are times now, you know, I respect my partner in the sense of she might know better than me in that moment. So I kind of listen to her. if She says, let it alone, leave it alone, move on from it. Uh, Just do it this way. It'll, it'll smooth things over. I listen to her. You know, I, I give her that level of respect that she might know better than I do in that moment when it comes to social stuff. So actually in a lot of ways.
1: I was gonna pose something to you, okay? Um, but I'm thinking about maybe rephrasing it. So I was gonna ask you about Good. what do you think if we if we were to have, let's say, um, a president who is on the spectrum. But I'm actually gonna ask you: Do you think, in general, mm-hmm. people who are on the autism spectrum make better
0: or worse people in positions of authority? This is a very loaded question, sir. Very loaded question.
1: Uh, I think it also depends, obviously a lot of it depends on the individual and where they sit on the spectrum, but I think that
0: that's uh, why it's a loaded question.
1: I, I also was thinking about how I was watching that documentary about Ted Kaczynski the other uh-huh. day and a lot of people think that he's autistic. Yeah. Um, he was diagnosed with something different, which used to also be before they had autism, they used to diagnose people with schizo or something like that.
0: No, no uh, schizo, schizoaffective. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was a personality
1: disorder, but it was what they diagnosed before they had autism as a diagnosis. He was diagnosed with that when he was younger. I uh, was reading something about they used to yeah, diagnose uh, people. Autism
0: has been around for a long time now.
1: <clears throat> anyway, point yeah. is he was, diag- well, maybe he the was way, diagnosed with
0: something else.
1: Right. But yeah. he has a lot of traits that are autistic. Anyway, the point is, yeah. if he was autistic. He, right. One of the things he struggled with was he was a very young professor mm-hmm. and all of his students hated him. Right. And a lot of that was probably because of his, his social deficits. Yeah. And so, also
0: his age.
1: That too. Um, so it makes me think, you know, how many of us would be, how many of us are like that? Or do you think. Um, how many of us are unibombers?
0: I no. don't know. A lot probably. How, I mean, <laughs> I think our
1: social deficits are going to cause an issue a lot of times, but there also may be some benefits to being somebody who's in charge and on the spectrum. I um, absolutely agree with that. I think like being the president, for instance. Uh huh. Um, getting elected would be very difficult for somebody on the spectrum, I, I but I, I think once they're actually in office, they would probably do a pretty good job unless they're just I don't, a horrible person.
0: I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not saying good or bad. I'm not saying yes, they would do well or no, they wouldn't. But I think, yes, as you said, it depends on the person, but I think for a, a lot of the folks on the spectrum, the level ones that where we're at stuff like that, a lot of us are very practical. And not just practical, very, we call ourselves logical. And we have tendency to look at things, not necessarily always taking into consideration the emotional response, the emotional reaction, the emotional effect we have on others. And so I think that's something that uh, a president or somebody in that level of authority, I think that's something they need to take into consideration, the effect that they're having (coughs) on people, not just the logical effect or the practical outcome if you will, of the decisions they're making. But I think they also need to take into consideration the emotional impact that they're having and and how other people are going to react to it. And I think that would actually pose a greater level of difficulty if a person was on the spectrum.
1: Well, I, that's why I, th- I said I think it would be harder for them to get elected because I think the social issues mm-hmm. and maybe not taking some of the emotional things into account, right. they might... They're, the way they run their campaign, they might rub people the wrong way. Or they yeah, may yeah, not guarantee. Um, but if they get elected, I'm saying once they're in office, I think they may still have some of those issues. Right. Um, so when it comes to the uh, optics mm-hmm. of the administration, people might not be happy with some of the things that they're doing. But I think at the end of at the end of the term that they probably would be able to do a good job and accomplish quite a bit, even if people felt like they didn't or they hated that person for certain reasons.
0: Well, I don't know. Which happens
1: to politicians anyway. Yes, you know, whether, presidents get blamed for shit that they have nothing to do yeah. with.
0: Um, I mean, the the idea of whether they would get stuff done didn't even necessarily up to the person uh, because they've got to work with the other bodies of governance there uh, to get things done. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, there, there might be somebody who is amazingly good at social stuff. They learned all that. They learned how to mass super well. And they're able to be president. I don't know. Um, I, I just, I think some of the issues that a lot of us have, I think it would come into conflict, uh, when it comes to all of the pieces that a president needs to take into consideration, um, at the same time, I mean, would we get potentially more stuff done for our peeps? Yeah, most likely, but I think when it comes to like overall taking care of some of the social issues or the financial issues or, you know, structural issues of the country, I think that there would be, I think some of the, it it wouldn't necessarily be, I don't know. I don't know. I I just think there would be issues when it comes to So what you're saying is you want
1: to just keep having some old white men.
0: I did not even remotely (laughs) close to say that not even remotely close to say that.
1: Uh, so, do you think that there are any, um, if we're talking about hierarchy and all that type of shit, do you think that there's anything structurally, uh, anything structurally in the United States that kind of holds our peoples back?
0: Um, structurally, yeah, like
1: institutionally, structurally, um, that could be. Doesn't have to be politically necessarily, mm. but also be just the way that society set up. What do you think? Um, so for instance, uh there are certain things that impact certain groups because of the way society is structured, right? Right. I'm saying like what do you think? Uh, what do you think out there that is sh- that structurally impacts um people uh, on the spectrum?
0: So I think one of the things is because we still live in an NT world. I, uh, I would say. I, I think very much so because we still live in an NT world. Uh, and that's not going to change nor go away anytime soon. But I think how that impacts us or limits us or whatnot is because we're still, like there are still people who, even though they know you're on the spectrum, they still prompt and make demands of looking at people in the eye. Yeah. And, and so they're still holding to that older kind of like societal norm, if you will. And that's really only a major societal norm in this country. and I guess in most of Europe too, but like there are other countries where you don't, you're not forced to make eye contact. In fact, to make eye contact can seem aggressive. Um, To some people. And so I think that's one of the things I think the social contract that we all have to play by the NT social contract, I think that's something that's very limiting to us. And I also think that the current understanding about autism is a limiting factor. But I think the only thing that's going to help make that go away is not even necessarily like more autistic people being more out there about being autistic. But I think more research needs to be done to understand what we can do about things and what we can't do about things. And basically, you know, identifying a new set of social rules for us.
1: I think what we need to do is take all of the autistic people in the country Uh and we need to get our own city. We'll build our own town, our own city, and it's autistic only. And uh, so you you have to show your TISM card at the door when you come in. And we'll have a perfectly run structured society that doesn't give a fuck about anyone's feelings, but runs really well.
0: <laughs> there there would be like 800 D&D uh, Dungeons and Dragons places, Warhammer play- shops, and, and Magic the Gathering shops. And I don't think there would be a whole lot of, uh, I don't know, gyms. Uh, not to say people in There's the only one, don't go to the gym. Only one it's TV just channel and it plays
1: nothing but Star Trek reruns.
0: Yep. Exactly. Exactly. There's one chan one TV channel in town and it plays Star Trek and, and Star my little Wars pony totally Oh my good God. <laughs> um yeah. Friendship yeah. is magic. That's oh, the one. Yeah. yeah, that's it. The bronies that's
1: it. I don't know if Bronies are artistic. I just that,
0: that would that would be probably the least social town in America. It's
1: fine. Be no, they, I mean there would be some so I mean you have to play D D with other people. I mean Yes, take, you do. Take turns playing Dungeon Master. Yeah. I roll my D20. I score 15 against my knowledge check. <laughs> I don't actually know the rules. but
0: Yeah, but it's fucking funny. When I you know they it.
1: roll D20. They have 20-sided yeah. die, and yep. I know you have your stats, and you roll. Uh-huh. And you have to roll depending on what your actions you do. That's right. And that's about that's all right. right
0: now. Okay. So I actually used to play D&D for a while? Yeah. You yeah. know more
1: about it than I do. I don't
0: know. Oh, not that much more. Um, I'm a level 12 paladin. <laughs> I mean, even when it comes to Magic the Gathering, dude, like when I used to do Magic the Gathering tournaments, like in person, uh, you could absolutely tell who was and who wasn't on the spectrum in that damn room. So uh,
1: my Subway sandwich is here, so I need to uh, take a break real quick. Can you uh, pause the
0: game? Um, uh, you, you would always like I will say one thing. It was kind of apparent with some people being on the spectrum, because even though. They put a card, okay. And if you ever played Magic: The Gathering before, you know what I'm talking about. They go and play a card, and they tap their mana, and they always tap, turn the card a specific direct amount. Right? There's always like this uh, uh, kind of 45 degree angle. They put it's it. It's got to be uniform. Yeah, and then they put the card out, and even though the card itself. Has very little on it, It, like there's no major special ability on it that somebody's got to read and follow the rules of. They put it out; they still read the card completely, like the name of the card, the type of creature it is, the special specifications. Aren't they just OCD, Nick? Could be. Could be. I was being sarcastic. I don't know if that's an uh, OCD trait in that way. No, but
1: people think that anybody who like has to do things in a certain way is OCD, even though. People who are on the spectrum, a lot of times will have specific ways. The routine, they want, you know, they want everything to be uniform or routine. If you're tapping your lands, a lot
0: of time you tap them all exactly the same. And that's misunderstandings about OCD. I mean, there's misunderstandings about a lot of disorders uh, that have tendency to overlap. And people are like, well, uh, I must be this, this, and this because I have all these different individual traits. But like when it comes to being on the spectrum. People on the spectrum get depressed. We have anxiety. That doesn't mean we also have clinical depression or major depressive disorder and an anxiety disorder. No, we have anxiety. We get depressed. Like we have those other things. Like uh, uh, there's a lot of folks that are combining the the communities of ADHD and autism. Now, I don't know how much research there is that says, you know, there's a, a, a big comorbidity link between the two of those. But I will say every time I hear somebody talk about how they're ADHD and autistic, they're they're like, well, I have a hard time paying attention to things. Uh, Okay. Yeah, but ADHD people will also have a hard time
1: paying attention to things unless
0: it's something they're really into. And that's an interesting part to it, too. Because I've known autistic folks who like they're not paying attention to you because they don't give a shit about what you're talking about. But and so they seem like they're not paying. So attention. So it could be
1: like that. There's they have ADHD and they're autistic, right. or it'd just be because of their autism that they have a lot of ADHD traits.
0: Right. Like because like I know one a common kids.
1: One of the common things about ADHD people think that they can't focus on anything, which is not true. Yeah, it's they so, can. So. It's just if it's something that they're really into, right? They'll be able to focus on it. Right. But the problem is with people with ADHD is most of the time they're just fucking can't pay attention to things for long because they're just right. not interested or they're bored or. They don't want to.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, obviously, that's the simplistic. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, if they if they like something enough, they'll pay attention to it. Right. Like if you're an ADHD person, but you can sit there and play video games for four hours mm-hmm. because you're really into it. Yeah. You know, or skateboard or something like that, because I, I grew up with people who had ADHD and they had a hard time fucking paying attention to anything. Oh, yeah. But they would go and skateboard for like five hours after school. Yeah.
0: Uh because that's what they liked. Yeah. My mom the other day just reminded me that initially I was diagnosed with ADHD when yeah, I was a kid. I was too. Um and then come to find out, <gasps> look, this other thing. Yeah, I was I was
1: diagnosed. They gave me meds for it, and I took them for like a year and then stopped because yeah, I
0: did, probably took them for about it turned
1: me a year. into a vegetable. I don't
0: know how an ADHD med could do that, but okay.
1: It made me. It made me feel like uh, whatever it is, its it conversation for another time. But I felt um, a lot of the drugs that I was given for different things made me right. feel like I had. Uh, like, I it made me feel like I had no interest or no emotion about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they
0: flattened your affect,
1: but to the point where it actually made me feel worse because I felt like I couldn't enjoy anything. Right. almost like when you're depressed and you can't enjoy anything it can make me feel like i had no feeling at all and uh so i just i felt like a lot of the drugs i thought that the the way i felt was worse than just dealing with how i was so
0: hmm. when well, when i first got on my bipolar meds uh the mood stabilizer that i take <clears throat> I had a hard time continuing to take it because I started to feel like that too—that like my emotions were stunted, that my enjoyment of things was now muted, things like that—and I was starting to blame it on the medication. But then I was started to read about the medication and how it works, and well, yeah, because it's bringing down my symptomology. It's actually helping me manage because medication for for bipolar doesn't make it go away, but it lessens the severity of the episodes. So. Wait, I was getting this hyper and this manic, but now I've got a medication that's not letting me get to that point. It's a little less than that. Oh, okay. So I should feel a little more muted, if you will. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because maybe this is how I should feel. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have such extremes or, or intense emotionality. So
1: so before we wrap up, Oh, I wanted to go back to the, the topic. Yeah. Uh pyro- power hierarchy, yes. authority, all that stuff. So as a member of the patriarchy, how do you feel about your <laughs> your your power you have in society as a straight white male?
0: Uh well, one of those terms is not correct.
1: Sorry, as a cis white male who is straight passing. There you
0: go. Straight passing. Yeah. Okay. Uh thank you, I guess. Um I don't know. For a very long time I didn't know that was a thing for me. Like I still don't necessarily believe I hold power in that way. And that's not necessarily like me being ignorance of the privilege that being white and male in America kind of lends. And as you pointed out, straight passing um, when it comes to that, like for a very long time, I didn't know. Uh, and I but I mean, even to this day, I don't feel or have any inclination that because I'm a guy, I can get away with more or because I'm a guy. Uh, uh, I hold this or that more than anybody else because I mean granted uh, in a lot of ways I've I've been more surrounded with women and so I hear the way they derogatorily talk about men and how they stereotype and, and their prejudices about men and so <clears throat> in that I think regard I never felt like
1: there are certain privileges and benefits that, there I'm, are. There that are. I'm sure we
0: both experience being white well,
1: well, let me restate.
0: They've probably happened to us, but we didn't necessarily know that I, because of the as a as a joke, not really a
1: joke. But as I was pointing out the other day, because yeah. race is kind of a um, amorphous. I know I used that word earlier, but race yeah. race is a is a construct, right? It is. It's a social concept. The funny thing is, I'm mostly Irish and Portuguese. Right. And 50 years ago, I wouldn't have been considered white. Right. Because I'm those things. But nowadays, those are considered white, which is yeah. just funny how things change over time. But anyway, as a straight guy, I yeah. know there's certain things that I've benefited from. But also, because of some of my other issues, there are certain things that have negatively imp- impacted me that mm-hmm. other people might not be aware of and not have seen because of mm-hmm. um, my mental issues, whatever you want to call them. Right. right?
0: And and that's that's where I kind of – like when people say you've had all these advantages because you're a white male in America – I I'm also autistic and bipolar. I mean, like if, if I got hired over somebody else because I was a white male, trust me, I got fired real quick because I'm bipolar. Um, And I have been fired for really stupid shit. And so like, even if I did get the advantage or the privilege that uh, I'm afforded in this country because of those two label criterias, other things got in the way. We really need
1: to have um, a woman on sometime to talk about, some of this stuff, because I like I like debating with with women about kind of the the differences between we tr- the way we treat men and women in society. Yes, uh, because I think that uh, there are a lot of privileges and advantages to being a guy. But I think there's yes. also a lot of privileges and advantages to being a woman. I agree. That a lot of women you talk to will not admit or uh-huh. not acknowledge the fact that there's certain things that benefit them. Yeah. um The stereotypes and some of the 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 ways that we treat the genders mm-hmm. they also there's negative and positive even for some of the same things yes like something can be a negative and a positive at the same time like because yes. depending on the situation it might benefit you one way or the other mm-hmm. um like people assuming that men uh might have like the answer you know a lot of times people will look to they'll trust the man's answer over a woman's answer
0: That's, especially if it's something that has to do with science or or building
1: supplies. that can that can benefit you but it can also Work against you, right? Yes. Are assuming that men are more competent. Right. Uh, women, right, being judged on their looks, mm-hmm. that is not fair and it plays against them, but it also can benefit them if you're a beautiful woman who gets- Gets things
0: because of it. Yeah. Um, hold on. I will, I will say this much because in both those regards, those are social concepts. Those yeah. are social stereotypes that we carry. The interesting part about it is like- well, you, you said the one about being a beautiful woman, right? Right. Men are still judged on their looks.
1: Right. But we we treat in, beautiful in women same- in a different way than we treat pretty or attractive men. We no, attractive uh, attractive uh, hold on. On.
0: Attractive men get attractive, just attractive as many benefits because no, they they're pretty.
1: I think they do get some, but I think as a society, we value beauty more in women. And I will fight you over that.
0: No, no, no. I will say we openly discuss it more. There's a reason why, like,
1: um, there's a reason why the beauty industry is what it is when it comes to women, when it comes to cosmetics, makeup. Why um, why is it that women do so well on OnlyFans and men don't? Because why men is it are that,
0: pathetic and they're willing to pay money to watch women sit
1: around in a bikini. Why is it that men who are attractive do, yep. so still don't make as much money as women who aren't very attractive on OnlyFans? Why is it that women make so much money on platforms like Instagram who have who have so many... Because people care more about women's appearances. And I'm saying that that works against them, but it also works in their favor, especially if they're attractive. Right. But we as a society value beauty in women more than we value. We don't care as much about men's looks. We care about it. And attractive men still are treated better yes. because they're attractive. But I'm yes. saying that the... It's It outweighs oh, – like I'm saying in, in the case of women that it, it has a bigger impact. Yeah,
0: hold on. They're uh, uh, able so to get more from – I'm not saying that it's equal. No. Like no. I'm not saying beautiful men have equal goodness because they're – No, no,
1: I'm saying it's know, much easier for you to take beautiful. advantage of your beauty if you're a woman is what I'm saying. Yes. If you're a very attractive woman and let's say you're 23 and you're a super hot woman. Yeah. The world is basically your oyster at that point. If you well, want to take right. it, if you want to take advantage of that, uh-huh. you can because you yes. know people will give you things and do things for you just because you're pretty.
0: Right. At and in the same regard, and I think this is kind of an equality, uh, an equal comparison kind of thing. You're talking about beauty and women on certain things, on right. certain services will get more just because they're attractive. Right. In the same regard, the men, if they're showing their knowledge set in certain identified male direct or masculine kind of industries, right. they will get more attention. Which, uh, whether they, if they actually which is why I'd or like or to
1: have a conversation with actually having a woman here or talk to a woman about some of the, a woman who's inter- interested in gender and stuff like that. Because yeah. I think it's really yeah. interesting. And I, this is something that I've mentioned to you and I've argued with you about in the past. Right. Is I think that like we're in a very weird place when it comes to gender and when it comes to, and we might've even talked about this in the gender episode, mm-hmm. but we were in a re- really weird place when it comes to gender roles. Yeah. Because we've erased some of the traditional gender roles. We right. rolled back some of it. Women are equal and all that stuff for, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Um, but under my, the, I'm saying under, under the law, like right. women have all the same rights that men do, whether we treat, we treat men and women differently still, but I'm saying under the law, we're pretty much equal,
0: but somebody is going to argue with you on that one.
1: Well, name one law that applies to a woman. It doesn't apply to a man or vice versa.
0: Do, do you really want me to point this out?
1: There are a few, maybe, uh-huh. but, um, and also we talked about yesterday, uh, with our friends about, um, sentencing disparity and stuff like that, which actually yeah. plays in women's favor because they're oh, usually sentenced less for yeah. the same crimes. But anyway, my point is,
0: I, I was going to say like abortion laws directly impact well, women more. Yeah. Than and men. there's,
1: there's some laws that like favor women a lot of times and not even just the laws, but how they're actually, um, how they're, the laws are, uh, enforced. Mm -hmm. Or like when it comes to family and stuff like that, the court typically favor women or mothers over fathers. But that's not the point. Mm -hmm. My point is that we had certain general expectations of men and women back if you go, you know, 100 years ago. Yeah. And we've made a lot of progress in gender equality. Right. But there's also we're in a weird period because we still we want men and women to be treated equally. Mm -hmm. We want to all be treated as equals. Right. But we still have unfair expectations on both of the genders about the way they should act. Yes. So like a lot of women still expect men to do certain traditionally masculine things and a lot of men still expect women to do traditionally feminine things. So it's like we're equal, but we're still not because we treat each other as though we're not. So we're in this weird place in between Mm. where we on paper, we're supposed to be equal, but we don't treat each other that way. Like a lot of a lot of women. um, This is changing quite a bit, especially with the younger generations like Gen Z and and millennials and stuff. The women don't always expect men to pay. But even up until like recently, a lot of times women will consider themselves men and women. They say well, we're equal. And when it comes to dating, we're equal, but they still expect the man to plan the day and to pay right. for a date and all that stuff. Cause they still want that traditional
0: part of it. Right. But so well, that's why, and there's even the expectation that the man is the one who has to initiate the conversation. I'm
1: right. not like, all women are like that. Like no, I'm dating all, somebody who's not like that. And I've dated women who aren't like that, but I also dated a lot of women who do still have those expectations. But at the same time, they don't see how, it's contradictory to be yeah. wanted to be treated yeah. like a guy, quote unquote, right. be treated equally, but then at the same time expect special privileges because you're a woman. Like it doesn't make any sense.
0: What's interesting is like this actually ties into our topic a little bit yeah. about power dynamics, about understanding our power. And, like and I'm also I'm highly- a woman.
1: I'm strong. I'm independent. I'm equal to you, but I want you to pay for all my dates and I want you to take care of me. Right. Well, then how are you equal if I'm taking care of you? Valid point. But I, I men do. I'm not. I'm not saying that men don't like there's not certain things that men do that annoy women when it comes to that too. I'm just speaking from the male perspective about some of the, the things that don't make sense where we say we want to be equal, but then we don't act that way. Yes. So we're in a weird kind of like in the middle, we haven't gotten to the place where we truly have gender equality because we don't act that way. Even if we have it on paper. Yep. But we also don't live in the 1940s and 1950s where women are all homemakers, right? Women are out, Working in society, they you know, yeah. their freedoms and stuff like that. We just don't treat each other that way.
0: In a lot of ways. There's a lot of social contract stuff when yeah. it comes to we that. We still expect social men to do certain things. We yeah. still
1: expect women to do certain things, even yeah. though we're supposed to be equals.
0: Right. Yeah. And we say we're gonna respect people's differences, but then we still hold people to those expect those other expectations. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, I just want right. to thank everyone here for listening to us. Absolutely. If you have anything you wanna say, or if you wanna say I'm a sexist, misogynist asshole, go ahead and leave it in the comments. Yep. Um
0: leave us a message. If you're a
1: woman who would like to talk to us, let me know. Send me a DM. Yeah,
0: we uh, would very much appreciate actually having that conversation that Steve was talking uh,
1: about. Yeah, I, I advocate for having more women and more people from different backgrounds on right. the show um i would like to have people who aren't like us here right. to talk about there especially if you're autistic and you're not like us
0: right uh like i said at the beginning of the show we we do not presume to be experts so if you have a different point of view if you come from a different background if you you know any of that difference kind of opinion stuff we would love to talk to you because we are very much into understanding people as a whole so we'd yeah. love to hear somebody especially people as
1: a whole if you're a woman Just kidding. That was a bad joke. Wow. (laughs) That was a sexist joke. I'm sorry. Um, So uh, before we go. Yes. I just want to thank you for listening once again. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give you another update on Nick. He is 93% neurotypical now. His neurodivergence has been almost eradicated. We had brain scans (laughs) done earlier this evening. Uh, They're going to be up online on the website soon. You'll see his brain scans and you'll see how far he has come with the homemade autism care tincture that I have developed
0: right here in our coffee shed lab. One day, somebody's going to piece together all of the times you've said this and take them completely out of context.
1: I'm going to get sued for saying that I have an autism cure.
0: Yeah. It's going to be hilarious when people take it out of context. Anyway, thank you very much. Please leave some comments, listen to us as much as possible, share it to your friends, follow us on Facebook. You'd be much appreciated. Thank you very much. Have a great day.